Shouldn't we create standards for biblical interpretations? Why is it that interpretations just seem to come and go with no real way to compare one against another and say, here is what we're striving for. This one comes closer in this way, and this one comes closer in another way. One of my goals in creating this book, Maybe Everyone is Wrong, Revelations, Conspiracy, and the Kingdom of Heaven, was to lay out a simple standard that could be used not only for other interpretations, but also for mine. I don't want to claim that mine is perfect, but I do want some idea of what makes mine better or worse than somebody else's. And I would like this analysis to ultimately point to the need for all of us to try to get as close as we can to a perfect interpretation. I see nothing wrong with that. And as you'll hear in this episode, my ideas are not very radical or controversial. In fact, many of them might be the standards you assume are already being applied and used by Bible scholars. And the surprising truth is, I couldn't find any major interpretation that even seemed to try to respect this standard. So this will be a short chapter, and after I'm done reading it, I'll come back and explain a little more what I meant by certain points in the criteria. Chapter 3. Judging Interpretations Before I give my interpretation, we should ask ourselves, what makes one interpretation better than another? The following criteria is what I have judged other interpretations by, which caused me to realize the need for a better one. Although I know my own is not perfect, this was my metric. 1. It makes use of every choice in the material. Exact wording matters more than paraphrasing or summaries. Every mention or instance of something is shown to be important. There is no redundancy or pointless mentions. Conspicuous omissions are shown to be deliberate and revealing. Timing, pacing, and progression of the material is shown to be important, not accidental or random. The overall structure is shown to be deliberate and meaningful. Patterns and smaller sections are shown to be important. 2. It is compatible and poetically tied in with the rest of Scripture. Harmony with other literal and direct teachings. Principles and themes resonate strongly together. Continuity of metaphors, principles, and symbols. 3. It presents a strong utility and purpose for the material. It shows the material to be very useful to past Christians. It shows the material to be very useful for today's Christians. It shows the material will be very useful to future Christians. Its usefulness generates more appreciation of older mysteries. Where obscure, the obscurity serves slash served a good purpose. 4. 
it greatly prefers the actual words and meanings in the text. English words and phrases are taken seriously. Greek words and phrases are taken seriously. Buzzwords and tradition terms are not respected. Now, if you don't mind, I'd like to go over this once again, sort of just in the bigger picture, instead of point by point, and help you to see how to apply it to any interpretation you might have heard in your church or whatever you might have believed before. And if you want to apply this, I think one of the best things to do is to start with saying, am I really respecting the exact way this was written? That's the first set of points, is about making use of every choice in the material. Your interpretation is better or worse depending on how well you extract the real meaning out of that text. It's not about ignoring some parts and deciding which parts are important so that you can sort of create your own out of this mixture or this pile of metaphors that anyone can just come by and mix and match. This book, Revelation, was written by John in a very specific way, and he was shown things in a very specific way so that he would write them in that specific way, right? This is, and God would have known that this is, the final book that will be read by millions of Christians over thousands of years. So we really should narrowly focus down on details, seeing what's there, seeing what's not there, and then also look at the bigger picture, the bigger structure, and respect that as well. The second set of points is about compatibility and the poetic nature of everything. Because it doesn't make sense that Revelation contradicts any of the other prophecies in the Bible. It also should harmonize so that when taken all together, it creates a beautiful sense of how everything fits together. Metaphors and principles and symbols should continue and grow in Revelation. For example, I noticed that the metaphor of the candlestick was brought from the New Testament, well, in some ways from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and then to Revelation, and the churches are called the candlesticks. And it's, it occurred to me that that candlestick metaphor has a great significance when we think about being contrasted against an empire of darkness, since a candlestick is about being in a visible place that shines light all around it. So that metaphor really is something you can dwell on and appreciate. And the more you can do that, the more your metaphors and interpretations work together with the rest of the Bible, the stronger it will be. The third set is about the utility and purpose of the material. And what do I mean by that? I mean that at any given point, since this book was not just written for us or some final people, but for all Christians from the first century on, it should be something that you could read at any point from the time of Christ and the time of John getting this vision until the end of the world 
and there should be something there for you to look at and see and look forward to. So although it's pretty clear that nobody in the past really figured out the whole book, and we probably haven't either, there was an evolving sense of what mattered and what to look forward to through the ages. And we should be able to use your interpretation to go back and see what God mentioned for an older past generation. And when it's obscure and people can't tell what something was useful for, even that obscurity should be respected and should be explained in a sense. For example, since I believe that the satanic conspiracy is a major part of this interpretation and, and of revelation, I should say, then God really doesn't want to say too much about certain subjects because satanic cultists and evil people will also read Revelation and try to find the secrets before Christians do. And they'll try to use God's prophecies against Christians. So being obscure is often an important part of why it was written a certain way. Allowing Satanists and evil people to misrepresent and misinterpret it, while true Christians who have the Holy Spirit can look at the same text and come away with a different, better, hidden meaning. And lastly, the fourth set of points is about preferring actual words and meanings in the text so that Greek words and the original text should actually take precedent over something that doesn't occur in the text, like the word antichrist, which is never mentioned in Revelation at all, in Greek or in English. Rapture is never mentioned in Revelation. But these are terms the church has introduced themselves in order to lump together a lot of mysterious things and make it seem like they've got it all figured out because they've got a word for it, and they just keep repeating that word, and you're being programmed to respect that word instead of respecting what God actually said. So we need to be able to strip away buzzwords and what I call tradition terms and really look at what it says and what it doesn't say and place that as our most important priority. I hope this has been useful and might be useful in the future. And I just want to conclude by saying I'm grateful for all the interpretations that have come before and done their best to solve the mystery for us. I don't want to disparage them. I want to encourage us to not settle for them, but instead keep working. We are in the same position they were 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 600 years ago. We're all still in the same boat trying to figure this thing out, and we now have resources that nobody else in history had. So we should put our minds together and try to solve this thing and become the best we can at interpreting. Thank you, and remember, we're not done yet. No. Oh.